Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Now make sure you drop by the book. We've got a lot of good things going on at the bookstore. Make sure you stop by there. Um, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 18 as we uh, conclude this series on One Cause. And I also want to recognize Pastor John and Miss Ann who are here today. They're still on, they're still on vacation, so they're here to just hang out with us today. He'll be back in, in full swing next Sunday. Amen. Praise God. Also, we want to recognize that someone has a birthday today, and that someone is the one, the only, Miss Velma Ring. Where are you, Miss Velma Ring? Where is she? Is she in here? Is she hot? Where is Miss Velma? Where? She's outside. There she is. There's the birthday girl. Roaming the halls. That tells you... Uh, never mind. Okay. John chapter 18, verse 37. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's the birthday girl. Happy birthday, Miss Velma. God bless you. Amen. Don't you love seeing her up here playing rock and roll praise and worship with all these young people? I think that's so cool. Amen. Now, John chapter 18, I hear music going on in the speakers somewhere. Y'all hear that? Okay, I just want to make sure. Thanks. All right. John chapter 18, have you found it? Verse 37, if you haven't found it, just look on the screen. We found it. Pilate therefore said unto him, that is to Jesus, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into this world. What an amazing statement that the Son of God made right here. At this time, He shows us with confidence and surety that He was born for a cause. A cause that He was willing to die for. Amen? And He, and he did die for it. And God... We learned last week, God has called you and I for His cause. He has marked you for His purpose. He's marked you for His plan. You were born for a cause. Your life is not the result of some twist of fate. Your life is part of God's predetermined purpose. And your happiness in life is affected by the cause of God and His kingdom in your life and your special place in it. So I want to encourage you and remind you again today that, that you weren't called when you were born. Jeremiah chapter uh, 1 teaches us that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. Now what a great thought. Predetermined. You're already fit in His plan. How you got here doesn't make a difference. Mom and dad might not have been expecting you. They might not have been looking, upon, looking for your existence, but you're here because God determined you to be here because He knew you and He had a perfect place for you in His kingdom for you to do your part and to fulfill His purpose in the world today. There is a cause that you're living with. There's lots of good causes, but there's a greater cause that trumps all of them, and that is the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this cause will impact not just a day. This cause will not just impact a week. This cause will impact every day of your life. It'll give you a reason to get up and get out of bed in the morning. Hmm? Because you are about Him and His cause. Him and His kingdom. And I want to talk to you today about vision 
and cause. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We're going to look at a few scriptures here. But it says, where there is no vision, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, or if you look it up in the, in the original Hebrew, it says where there is no progressive vision. And that's important for us to know as the people of God, that a church that's not growing is not, does not have a progressive vision, does not have the God kind of vision. If your life is not growing, your faith is not growing, then you are not following His progressive vision. If you're, if you're not increasing on your job, if your marriage isn't getting better, come on, talk to me today. If you're not increasing in this life, in your walk with God, then you're not following His progressive vision because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. That hasn't stopped yet. I will build. It's still going on. Amen? And if you're a part of His plan, and if you're taking on His cause, then you are continually moving in progression. This church is continually progressing. It's continually growing. I thank God for that. The moment we stop, though, is the moment we get in trouble. Where there is no progressive vision, the people perish. So vision is important. And there are two different thoughts I want to present to you. One thought being, I want to be a millionaire. I ain't getting any hands in here today. I want to be a millionaire. But another thought is, I want to fund the kingdom of God. Two different ideas, two different thoughts. Amen? So to draw the distinction between vision alone and cause, it's, we need to do that because when hard times come, vision alone is not going to sustain you. Because vision changes. It's not going to sustain you. It doesn't, it doesn't have the power. Now we need it, and it's very important, but without a vision a vision, that is, without a cause, is nothing more than a set of personal goals. And living for a greater cause keeps you on track to fulfilling God's destiny for your life. And Jesus said it all when He said, for this cause I was born. One cause, the cause of Christ. Habakkuk 2, 2 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run who reads it. So we see from this scripture the power of vision, that it's got this pulling power. When you write it and you make it plain. So a lot of people have vision and are ready to run, but never leave the starting blocks. Hmm? You, gotta, you can have all the vision in the world, but if you don't ever do anything about it, you're just locked potential. I love deer hunting. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. But I can get me a nice rifle. Get the right kind of, of ammo for that rifle. Get a high-powered scope. Have the whole setup. But that alone is not going to put the venison on the table. Hmm? And I can step in the deer blind and I can actually hone in on a deer and put that crosshairs right on the deer's shoulder for a perfect shot. But if I don't pull the trigger, the meat's not coming home. Hmm? I go there. I show up to the deer lease to get the deer. Right? And this, this, this scope and this gun, these are all just ways to get it. Hmm? The cause is to bring the meat home to mama. Any vision is only as effective, listen, any vision is only as effective as the cause to which it is attached. And when your vision is attached to the cause of Christ, my God, it has more power. It has more strength. It has more ability. It has more sustainability. And it gives greater meaning. His cause will give you the legs to run to fulfill the vision. And like I said last week, vision is something that you possess, but a cause is something that possesses you. And when you live and you know that you were born for that cause, it changes 
It changes your believing. So you don't just believe when you're sick for your healing that you, so that you get better. You believe that you receive your healing because you've got the kingdom of God to advance. And you don't just believe God uh, uh, for, for a blessing uh, in your business, if you're a business person, so that you can prosper and store up wealth. You do it so that you can help others to do what you couldn't do if you hadn't had the prosperity. Because the Bible teaches us that we are blessed with believing Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is upon us. And that is, you are blessed and you will be a blessing. Amen? Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 4 in the message. Anybody ever read the message Bible? It's a wonderful translation. It says, each part of the body gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. So in other words, so the body doesn't get its meaning because I'm in it. I get my meaning because I'm in the body. Amen? And before the world began, God saw you in Christ. I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Timothy, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 1, verse 9. Are you still with me? It says, who has saved us, that is, this is God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When? When we were born? No. Before the world began. Let's go backwards. Before the world began, in Christ Jesus, you were given purpose and grace. By God, according to His own purpose and grace, He has given you this holy calling and saved you, not because you earned it, not because you did anything, but of His own. He did it before the world began. What a great thought. You have been saved and you have been called. Purpose in the original Greek, going all the way back to its meaning, means plan A. God only has one plan for you and I. It's plan A. This plan was put in place long before the world began, and it has gone from generations before us to us sitting here in this room today, and it will continue to move forward to generations beyond. Psalm 33, verse 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of His heart to all generations. God is involved in every generation. I love that. And He's revealing His plans to His people. That is plan A. So you're, 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 you're saved from more than just going to heaven. Now, going to heaven is fantastic. I mean, if that's all that we got out of the deal, it'd still be a fantastic deal, right? But you're saved from more than just that. See, I, I don't know about you, but I love to see people get saved. I think everybody here feels that way. We all want to see people get saved because we know what it does for their life, not only the life on this earth, but it gives them eternal life. But salvation is more than just somebody raising their hand or praying a prayer, or it's even more than just about the afterlife. According to this scripture, we are saved and called. So there's a high calling on every one of our lives. See, the sad thing is the word calling has been narrowed down to just full-time ministry. And some, some would say, well, Pastor John's called, Eric's called, I'm not called. No, you're called. You're, if you're saved, you're called. Amen? Whether, that's, whether that is in full-time ministry, which is wonderful, or whether that's out in the business world, wherever God has you, a king or a priest in the kingdom of God, you're called by God, and all of them are just as important as the other. Are you hearing me today? Yes. So are you living simply as one that is saved, 
Or have you taken up the challenge to live as one who is called? And the calling is the cause of Christ. He saved us and called us for His cause. He gave us His grace and favor and power to live His cause in our lives. God enables you to fulfill His purpose by giving you gifts, by giving you talents, and giving you opportunities. And when you focus on those things, that is what is in your hand, you bring God glory. And I think I'm in the, in the right audience today, full of people, a room full of people that want to bring glory to Almighty God. Hmm? Think of calling as what is in your hand. And think of purpose as what's in your heart. So God has put, placed, calling is what God has placed in your hand, and purpose is what He has placed in your heart. But you know what the truth is? There are many that see what's in their hand as an obstacle to what's in their heart. See, when in truth, when you use what's in your hand, it will be the very thing that God will use for you to get what's in your heart. Amen. I told the early service today, before I was, got more into the preaching ministry in my life, I was very heavily involved in music in, in lots of ways and formed a band out of when I was at Christ for the Nations and, and uh, we played all over the place and had great times and big dreams and big aspirations and, and got to do great things. Traveled and, and played in bars and clubs and youth groups and you name it, we were playing it. We even played a quinceanera one time, which if you knew us, we, we just didn't fit that thing, but you know, we just found ourselves playing in interesting places and just wonderful times. And during that time, I also came on staff at our church and was leading worship for, for dad out in San Angelo, and, uh, and I began to write songs for the church. And over a period of years, our band just, we kind of disbanded and went, went our ways, and separate ways, guys were getting married and we were starting our families and had to put the life of the rocker aside. And, uh, and so became more involved in church. And, and uh, the music ministry of the church, leading worship, and had great times doing that, and traveled doing conferences, and, and uh, teaching worship teams how to, how to develop their team, and you know, and the mu different musicians, and to, to sing the right songs in church. How I many know it's important that you sing the right kind of songs, that not every song that's written in worship to God is necessarily inspired by God? Hmm? Uh, you know, I want to inspire people to worship God and not worship how I worship me worshiping God. You know what I'm talking about? Hmm? How humble I am when I come before you. How broken and disturbed I am. Hmm? Whole, that whole song's about you, numbskull. Come on, let's sing to Jesus. Sing to Him. Hmm? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And so, I wanted to write songs that would empower people to be engaged in the presence of God. To sing truth. Are you hearing me? A passion of mine, and, and God gave me that passion. And I had, I had these people, I had two different prophets come into our church from time to time, and, and they told me that, Eric, you're going to write songs, and they're going to go to, they're going to, go to other nations. And I thought, you realize I live in San Angelo, right? Nothing gets outside of the walls of this city. Because this place is on the way to nowhere. There's no major highway going through San Angelo, Texas. Right? This is, you got to be going there on purpose and hope to God you escape. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It's a great city. It's a great town. But, you know, if you want an international ministry, 
that's not really where you'd pick. You know, not the first place you would go to. So I'm thinking, okay, that's cool and unrealistic. And, <laughs> you know, but whatever God wants, praise God, I'll receive that. Well, I got a phone call from my brother. And uh, he had been um, uh, on a missions trip down to Mexico, down in the mountains. And way up on this mountain, they, were, they had this little church up there, and it was jam-packed full of pastors. And they were having this great pastor's conference. And he said, man, there was just standing room only, and everybody sweating and praising God. And he said, I taught him a song you wrote. Uh, we've sang it here a few times. It's called Holy Are You, God. And my brother taught them this song, and they translated it into, into Spanish. And he said, we began to sing this song. And he said, these pastors lifting up their hands, worshiping God, Eric. He said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, I tried to stop the song, and they wouldn't stop. He said, they just kept singing and praising God. And tears streaming down their faces, singing, Holy Are You, God, in Spanish. I mean, I'm start weeping as I, as I hear him telling me this story because all of a sudden I heard those words saying, your song is going to go to the nations. And I thought, my God, it's happening. It happened right there. God, you fulfilled it. Little did I know he, he wasn't done. Little did I know. We, we moved here to McKinney, and, um, and um, we, I recorded a worship album with my brother and, and his worship leader, Rachel, and, and the worship team just had a, a great time recording in this little house, oh, not a little house, a big house in Arlington. But somehow through... I can't go into all the detail of it, various connections. We ended up at Kenneth Copeland Studios mastering this, this CD. And so after we did that, you know, the, the engineer really liked the, the music and the songs that we wrote. And, and uh, so I was sitting in a restaurant here in McKinney with Heather uh, one, one afternoon, and I got a phone call, and it was the engineer from Kenneth Copeland Studios. And he said, uh, he said what are you doing? I said, I'm about to eat some lunch. He goes, you need to probably sit down for a second. I said, okay. So I sat down, and he said, Eric, we, we've been looking over the, your album, listening to it, and we want to take Holy Are You God, and we want to record it on a Kenneth Copeland worship album. And I was like, what? And, uh, and I said, well, I'm glad I'm sitting down because I'm weak all over right now. He said, he said, just come in, and you'll have to sign this contract and stuff like that for royalties and all that. And I'm like, what? I, I can't believe this is going on. And so, so I go to the, to the studio, and they hand me this, this big, thick pad, you know, of... Uh, pile of paper to sign all this stuff, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, they're not rooking me, you know, just sign and sign and sign. And at that moment, I just got to tell you, at that moment, at that moment, I'm back in my, I'm back in my living room in San Angelo, Texas with my guitar. And I remember that night, it was so, it's such a, a an, an amazing moment for me as I'm writing this song, Holy Are You God, I'm back there and I could just see myself writing it, inspired by the Copeland's ministry in my life. I had been reading this devotional called Faith to Faith Worship, Faith to Faith. Y'all, you ever read that devotion? It's just awesome for every day, Faith to Faith. And then here I was giving or selling, whatever they do, that song to Kenneth Copeland Ministries to go on their Faith to Faith worship album. And uh, of course, I just took in that moment and cried like a baby as I'm signing this form, you know, and it was handed it to them. And, and then I said, well, what do I need to do? They said, you're not going to play on this. We're going to use real musicians. <laughs> awesome. So they got these UNT students, you know, these top-notch music school over here, and they, they all played the song, and Brandon's worship leader, Rachel, got to do it, and that song literally has gone all over the world. It's amazing. And listen, listen, listen. It's what God's put in your hand that will help fulfill what's in your heart. I had, there's no way in the world. That was just a dream to me when I just began to use what God gave me. Come on. Are you hearing me today? Then, then God made a wonderful thing happen. And I, 
Um, excuse me, where am I? I lost my place. You have something in your hand that God has put there. And the things that you dream about, the things that you talk passionately about, they'll be known when you apply what's in your hand. Hallelujah. Now, Moses, he wanted to deliver the children of Israel. They had been in slavery for about 400 years to the Egyptians, and he wanted them delivered. As a matter of fact, he murdered one of them because they were beating down one of the Hebrews, one of the Egyptians wasn't. Moses just killed the guy, you know, threw sand over him real quick and took off and fled to the desert and then found himself before this burning bush and this bush that's on fire but not being consumed. And God begins talking to Moses and says, Moses, I am going to deliver the children of Israel. And then God told him how it was going to happen. And Moses, who wanted this thing, who had dreamed about the children of Israel being free, when he heard how, he starts arguing with God. Isn't that just like human nature? Hmm? Very thing that he wanted, God said, this is how it's going to happen. Moses said, that's not what I was thinking. Hmm? Exodus chapter 4, let's look at it for a moment. This is beautiful. It never is what you were thinking. <laughs> Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hasn't appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, Let's read this together. What is that in thine hand? And he said, A stick. A rod, and the Lord said to him, a rod, and, and he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. Now, what did Moses run from? He ran from what was in his hand. But what was in his hand was the very thing the Lord was going to use to deliver Israel from Egypt. Moses had to pick the rod back up, the very thing he ran from. You know, many of us do that because we don't see the gifts. We don't see the talents. We don't see the opportunities that God puts in our hands. And that's your calling, to fulfill His purpose. The rod, that rod that Moses picked back up, would be the very same rod that he would hit the Nile River with and it would all turn to blood. That same rod would be the rod that he would stretch out over the Red Sea and see it part in two, what a miraculous thing, and all the children of Israel would go free through on walking on dry land. That very same rod is the rod that he would strike the rock with and water would flow out. It was what was in his hand. You and I were born for this cause. The best way for you to fulfill what he has put in your heart is to be faithful with what he has put in your hand. I need a better amen than that. Amen. People ask me, they ask Pastor John, what am I supposed to do? I get that question a lot. When in truth, your calling is screaming at you. It's what's in your hand. What's that thing that comes naturally to you? That's what you're called to do. I mean, I, as a kid, I, growing up, I'd have people tell me all the time, man, you're going to preach someday. You're going to be a pastor. Who told you that? How did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that was just a natural thing that was flowing out of me. But people could see it. What do people say about you? What is it? Ask yourself these questions. You want to know how, what you're called to do? Ask yourself these simple questions. What am I gifted at? What are my talents? What comes naturally to me? See, so many people want what they don't have. They overlook what's in their hand for something else. Look, Just, just look right by it. 
right? Look at the American Idol auditions. I mean, they make a TV show out of people that don't know how to sing. Hmm? They'll get up there and they'll just, just fall to pieces before the judges and the judges will say, don't ever do this again. Don't ever try this again. You cannot, your grandma lied to you. You cannot sing. God bless you. You can't sing. You need to go find something else to do. And you know what they do? I'll be back next year, Simon. I'll show you. Hmm? Overlooking what's in their hand. Wanting something that they don't have. Hmm? And when you're always looking past what's in your hand, then you're never going to develop its full potential. You're never going to see that gift and that talent and that opportunity known that God has put there. You'll never get any closer to what's in your heart by ignoring what's in your hand. And you know what? As the children of God, we don't have the right to ignore what God's put in our hand. Because we've been bought with a price. We belong to Him. You might not like it, but you know what? You can learn to like it. You can learn to like it. God's not doing that to be cruel. He didn't make you who you are to be cruel. He knows something about you that you don't know, obviously. Hmm? Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He is not going to change his mind. All, I mean, the Bible says that all his giftings, all of his callings are without repentance. Hmm? He's not going to change his mind. The gift God gives you is the gift that God gives you, and that's the gift you got. So why is it that people pursue what's in their heart rather than what's in their hand? I want to just give you a few things while I close here today. In closing, I should say. In the process of closing, as we begin to head down, I'm just kidding. why do people pursue what's in their heart rather than what's in their hand? I think there are a few good reasons. Because what's in your hand involves pressure at times. What's in your hand takes discipline. What's in your hand takes diligence on your part to develop. Yeah. What's in your heart is romantic, though. You know, sitting at the office, you know, doing work at the computer or whatever, dreaming about being on the beach at Hawaii. Right. But what's in your hand is what's going to take you to the beach. Another reason why people pursue what's in their heart rather than what's in their hands is because what's in your hand is present. It's what's in the present. It's familiar. It's boring. And what's in your heart is distant and mysterious. Isn't it sad, though, when we take what is familiar and fail to appreciate it? I want to encourage you today, don't despise what God has put in your hand. Another reason people pursue what's in their heart rather than what's in their hand is because what's in your hand seems to be somewhat self-indulgent and what's in your heart seems to be noble. Like a Miss America pageant, just turn that on and what do they want? World peace. (laughs) No more starving kids. The whole world would just love one another, you know? Because what's, what's in your hands does seem to be self-indulgent. And like I told the earlier service today, I feel kind of strange telling you the gift and talents God's given me, but that's just the way it is. Hmm? And it seems a little bit self-indulgent to talk about that, but, and you might think, well, it is, Pastor Eric. 
but that's okay. What's in your hand? Another reason why people cannot pursue what's in their heart or what's in their hand is because what's in your hand looks like you. Yeah. And, and you might not necessarily like what you look like. What's in your heart looks like how you want to look, right? What's in your heart, I mean, you want to build this image of how you want people to see you, right? Just turn on the TV and look at these supermodels and movie stars, beautiful people who, when, when asked, you know, wow, I mean, you are a beautiful person. How did, how did, I'm not beautiful. My nose is crooked. You know, I hate my hair. There's something about themselves that they continually hate. Right? We're all this way. And, and, but I want to help set you free today, ladies and gentlemen. As the children of God, we got to have a revelation that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. David had this wonderful revelation. I think he was looking at himself when he said it. Holding out his hand, he said, Marvelous are your works, O God. You got to look in the mirror in the morning and say, Marvelous are your works, O God. Even before you put the makeup on, ladies marvelous are your works, O God. Hmm? Because He doesn't see the imperfections. He made you like that. He's not looking at that. He's looking at a wonderful work. He's looking at something fearfully and wonderfully made. Go do it. Do it. Tell yourself. Won't you just look at yourself and say, marvelous are your works, O God. Go ahead. Just look at yourself. Look at Look at your legs, look at your feet, the things that you don't really like about yourself, you know, your knobby knees, you know, whatever. Marvelous are your works, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> See what is in your hand. And when you do that, and when you embrace what's in your hand, that gift, that talent, that, that opportunity that God brings into your life, that will take you, it will launch you to what's in your heart. Amen. What is this we're talking about? This one cause. The cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are privileged and honored to be a part of His great plan in the earth. Aren't you glad for that today? You might not like where you're at or, or where you've been, but let me tell you something. You can change where you're going. You can change where you're going. Start living for the cause today. For that one cause. The cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our King and His kingdom. Amen? Why don't we stand together this morning? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.